Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I want to jump into the message today because I'm only going to speak about 20 minutes. I'm going to invite some friends up here to help me finish this message today. Uh, But we're in in one of those chapters in in the book of Samuel. Let me just give you just a little background. Heidi uh, taught on Deborah. Uh, Pastor Don Norman talked about Samson. Did y'all enjoy that? The judges. Uh, I, I spoke on Gideon where there was no king for Israel. They were just led by judges. Well, we're going to come into the transition from judges to what I would call, though he was not the first to operate in in prophetic or as a prophet, he's the transitional from a judge to a prophet. And God's gonna use this Samuel, he's going to use him to actually bring the next phase of our family's leadership where they're going to actually get a king. We'll talk about that in a week or so, or maybe next week. We're gonna talk about that next week. But this young man named Samuel, who's your cousin, that's your cousin. He is, he's, he's the guy that's kind of the transitional period. And so I wanna to go to Samuel 1, the book of Sam, 1 Samuel chapter one, and I'm supposed to be preaching on one through seven, but I couldn't get out of chapter one. So just read two, three, four, five, six, and seven. So I'm just gonna go there because one, it was a pivotal, this chapter one was a pivotal part of mine and Heidi's life. And it's really not about Samuel, it's about the birth of Samuel. So Samuel's really not the hero of the story. It's really your auntie Hannah. Hannah's really the star of the show. And, and I, wanna, I wanna just lay out for Hannah, and then she's got some things she's going to teach us today. Your, 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 your aunt Hannah is gonna teach you something. And so I wanna pick that up. There is a, there's a man in this story, his name is Elkanah. He has two wives, Penina or Penina. I'm gonna call her Penny for short, is that cool? Penny. And he has two wives. He has Penny as a wife and Hannah as a wife. And you go, that's called polygamy. Look at me right here. It was not, it was not a pleasing thing to the Lord. So h- how many of you have trouble with one wife? Go ahead, raise your hand. <laughs> Can you imagine two women nagging at you? <laughs> Penny saying, can't you take out the trash? And Hannah going, yeah, why are you out there? Wash my car, you know, you... you <laughs> How many of you would say, one wife is enough? That's all I need. Come on, man. All I need is one. Well, here, here's, the, so as you could imagine, this was, not for, this was frowned upon by God to have two wives, but it's in the Bible. They don't, they don't take it out. And so Elkanah has two wives, Penny and Hannah. Penny has babies. She's giving him children. Hannah does not have any children. And, and I'm gonna read the scripture in just a second uh, so you'll, you'll know exactly where, where they are. Elkanah is a Levite. He's from the tribe of Levi. Remember the 12 sons? Levi, the Levites were asked to do a special task for God. When they went into the promised land, 
11 of the tribes of the 12, they all got portions of land, not the Levites. They didn't. He told the Levites, I'm going to set you apart and the Levites are going to operate as priests. You will not have, I will be your possession. You won't have land as a possession. I will be your possession. So they served in the house of the Lord. If we lived in the Old Testament, Heidi and I would be Levites. We don't get a portion. This is not our church. You, you might be a businessman or businesswoman in the room. You can entrepreneur, start a business, grow a business, sell it or give it to whoever you wish. You can give it to your children. We, can't, we don't have anything to give to our children because the Lord is our portion if we were Old Testament. This church would not belong to us. We could not give it to whoever we wish. So I want you to see, that's the Levites. Elkanah is a Levite, and, 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 and he is gonna go. He, he loved Hannah more than he loved Penny. Even though Penny is giving him children, we know that he really favored Hannah, the one that could not give him any children. So let's pick up, I'm gonna pick up in verse five of Samuel one, but to Hannah, Elkanah gave a double portion uh, because he loved her and the Lord, read this with me, the Lord had closed up her womb. Now it doesn't say the devil had closed up her womb. It says the Lord had closed up her womb. And can I just pause just for a second? Because when things, and we all have a womb that we want to produce, it could be a business, it could be a family relationship, that we're not seeing production come from it. It could be your finances. The scripture says that the enemy didn't close up her womb, that the Lord had closed up her womb. So you have to be careful that you don't blame the devil on, uh, on everything that happens to you. Because it could be God actually doing it and not the devil. Heidi and I walked through this, finances back in our early days. Man, I, I'd rebuke the devil until one day I read this passage of scripture and realized that it wasn't the devil, it was God that was closing it up because there were still some things he was after in my own heart. Victor, come help. I'm going to close in prayer right now. <laughs> right? Watch this. So they're, they're, they're going. They're, Elkanah, was a, was, he was a good dude. And so they would go every year to the temple, as was prescribed, to give their atonement, their offering for forgiveness of sin. Every year, they did the same thing. Come on, it's time to go to the temple where they would actually bring their sacrifice. To How many think, God, we don't have to bring animals to the church anymore to sacrifice for our sin because some of you couldn't have enough animals. <laughs> Bad pastor, I shouldn't have said that. If it's you, you know it's you. So watch this. This, this went on year after year, verse seven. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival, Penny, would provoke her. Can you imagine? I, I've never seen two women get catty in church. I'm, I'm not just going to pick on the women today, but if the shoe fits, where did you get those shoes? Did you see those shoes she was wearing? 
Somebody needs to get her a mirror. Oh, I've heard it all. That girl needs a friend. <laughs> Watch this. So she would provoke her and she wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, thank you, Lord, for putting this in the Bible. Men, have you ever said something really stupid to your wife when you were trying to encourage her? Oh, Elkanah is going to take the cake for us right here. Watch this. She can't have a baby. You have to remember a woman in Bible days, her worth was found in having children to produce, to have babies. Not only her worth, but her future was found in having children. So that when she grew old, and if her husband would die off first, she would always have children that could help tend to her and take care of her for the rest. So it was her security as well for her future, and she has none. And so her rival is provoking her. She's weeping. She's at the temple. She won't eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? And here's the stupidest thing I've ever seen in scripture. Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? Look at me right here because I want to help you. There are some needs in all of us that only God can meet. When you get in trouble in your relationships, in marriage, in friendships, is when you start putting God-sized expectations on the other one to meet needs in you that only God himself can meet. Women, are you listening to me? Well, my husband ought to, no, 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 I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good husband. I, I'd give myself a B plus, a minus, a minus B plus. I can still improve and get better, but I cannot provide everything Heidi needs. Her security can't be put in me. It has to be put in Jesus. She needs to fall in love with him more than she loves me. Okay. The women are like, uh-huh. The men are like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I can flip it. I can flip it. Men, that woman is not there to meet every single need you have. You're going to need a God. There are some things she can't get you through. She can't encourage you from. Sometimes you're going to have to go to God and get your encouragement from him. You're going to have to get a word from God or you're not going to make it. You can't put all that on her. She's always going to disappoint. <laughs> the lady's like, yeah. Take that. Hey, hey, I'll give you one. Don't put it on me. Don't put those God-sized expectations or needs in your own heart that only God can meet. I will let you down. Trust me. You'll let me down. Trust me. Getting quiet up in here. And so I want you, you remember that old song? Can't nobody do me like Jesus. That's what it meant. It meant there are some things that no matter what the world lets you down on, there is one who will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He will never let you down. No, no. you'll think he's letting you down because he didn't answer your need right when you ask it. But in the end with him, he always comes through. Amen. Can you give God all the praise? 
Watch this. So they're at the temple. Hannah's crying. She's weeping. Verse 9, once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, the pastor, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. She, she's, she's emotional. She's a wreck, weeping. And she made a vow. Now watch what her vow was, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son. Now this is important. Here's the vow. It, 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 if you'll give me what I want, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. Okay, just let's stop right there. If you'll give me what I want, then my vow to you, Lord, is that I will give him back to you all the days of his life. Let me show you it again. If you will give me what I want, then I will give it back to you. Some of you are gonna pick up what I'm laying down in just a moment. If you'll give me what I want, then I will give it back to you. You're still not picking up what I'm laying down. It, what is it that you want? What is it that you want? Well, I've always wanted to start a business. Lord, if you'll give me the business that I want, then I, my vow to you is that I will give it back to you. Are, are y'all, somebody not picking up what I'm laying down? She, she's making, Heidi and I went through this. When it comes to resources and finance, we realized that we were not putting God first in our life and then the Lord did something really good because I think the Lord has two ways to teach you. One way he would rather teach you is by giving you and blessing you. If that doesn't work, if you don't get what he's picking up, if you don't pick up what he's laying down, then he'll teach you another way. He'll start removing it from you. You do not want to learn the lesson from God removing things from you. You'd rather learn the lesson by his hand blessing you. Go, this all came from God and it all belongs to him. Are you checking with me? So she, she's, 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 Lord, I'll, I'll, I make a vow. If you'll give me what I want. And by the way, and she said, I'll never put razor to his head. I, I haven't cut my hair. I missed one of my turns. I don't know if y'all ever do that. Like, you know, you go to the haircutting people. I don't even know what we call them now. What do we call them? Hairdressers. Because they change all the time. Heidi still, she's still from Texas and Graham. She calls it the beauty shop. That's so 1980. Um, huh? Like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in, at least in 95, baby. You're, you're, I'm, I'm dripping. Is that, is that, is that good? Is that okay? Just be still? Okay. All right. So, where, what was I talking about? Oh, my hair, Nazarite vow. Okay, let me, let me tell you about a Nazarite vow real quick. This is important. Nazarite vow. Okay, first of all, they're Levites. If God gives her a son, he's already dedicated to the Lord. 
So this is going to the next level. Everybody say next level. For many of us, we're in the room, we're a Christian, but sometimes you got to go to the next level. In, in the Old Testament, Nazarite, a Nazarite, when someone would take a Nazarite vow, you'll find it in Old Testament, you'll find it in New Testament. What does that mean? It just simply says three things. One, it means I'm not going to cut my hair. And then it also said, I'm not going to touch wine. I'm not going to drink anything that's fermented alcohol. I'm going to refrain from all of that. Some of you need to hear. You need to take the vow today. And, and the third was, I'm not going to touch anything dead because that would make them ceremonially unclean that they couldn't go to the temple. So I'm not going to touch anything that would cause me to sin. Would, would be a, 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 a modern day way to translate it. So they wouldn't cut their hair. It was not asked of them by God. It was initiated by the person. So they were already Levites, dedicated to the Lord, She's going to take it a step further and say, Lord, if you do this, son, I won't put a razor to its head. I'm going to take it to the next level, and I'm even going to give him to you all the days of his life. Right? Are you, are you tracking with me so far? Yeah, there's only three people in the Bible that we know of. Samson was one of them. Pastor Don taught about that. Samuel, which I'm doing today. And then in the New Testament, John the Baptist was also a, a, a Nazarite. And watch what happens. And so the, the, Eli thinks she's drunk. He thinks she's been drinking. Could you imagine that prayer? We've, we've had some mamas. We, we've, we're going to dedicate one of those babies that we've prayed with one of the mamas in our church and, and daddies to hear the anguish of that prayer. It, it ain't pretty. It's just raw. It's real. This desire. And we're gonna do, uh, we'll tell the story when, when they do it. I'm, I'm going to do it publicly. We don't do all baby dedications publicly. We do most of them privately. But I want to do that one publicly so that God will get the glory for the story that you're going to hear in a few weeks. And so he asked her, are you, are you drunk? She says, no, not so, my Lord. It's anguish of my soul. And, and Eli answered, I want you to go in peace, verse 17, and may the, may the God of Israel may the, grant you what you've asked of him. And she said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went, went her way and she ate something. And then read this with me. And her face was what? Okay. Let me give you the principle. Sometimes you just got to get it out. When was the last time you just got it out? Let me tell you something about God. You don't have to come to him with flowery speech or religious jargon or language. He already knows what's in your heart. He already knows what's on your mind. He already knows. He's heard your heart's cry on the inside. Sometimes you just got to get it out, even if it's ugly. You go, Pastor, you, have you ever prayed any ugly prayers to the Lord? Yes, I have. I think I may have even cursed a time or two. I would not recommend that. I mean, you know, like, like heck. Oh, quit acting like you ain't never cussed. No, sometimes you got to get out. It's, it's real. Sometimes... 
sometimes you have to pray like no one can hear you. Sometimes you, listen, if you're not being honest with God, you're probably not being honest with yourself. Oh, you can, uh, I don't tell lies. Oh, yes, you do. Thou shalt not lie. One of the commandments. I don't break that one. I'm always honest with everybody. I know the problem is not are you honest with everybody. The problem is are you honest with yourself? I'm good when you know you're not good. I come to church on Sunday. I go to our Savior's church on Sunday. Yeah, but it's not how you come on Sunday. It's how you leave and how you live Monday through Saturday. <laughs> or you won't be salt like Pastor Myron talked about. You, you got, so she, she's getting honest and now she's no longer downcast. How many of you have ever done that where you've just finally got it out what was in you and then once you got it out, you went, oh, I feel better already. And so she just got it out. Come on, wives, you know what you're talking about. Like, finally, you just told him how you really felt and you felt better already. And so watch this. Early the next morning, they arose, and I love this, and they arose. After she prayed her anguish, she prayed it out. She got it out. She got honest with God. God, if you'll do this for me, the anguish of my soul, I'll give it to you all the days of his life. No razor will ever come to his head. I got it out. And now she's got honest with God and says the next morning they arose and they worshiped. It's tough to worship when you're anguished. And so she gets it out. So her worry turned to, 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 to worship it's her worry turns into worship. The problem turns into praise. The exhaustion turns into exaltation. The guilt turns into gratitude. She just got it out. There's a story in the New Testament where Jesus is walking into the temple and there is a man there who says to him, Lord, would you touch me? Would you heal me? The scripture says he has a withered hand. I don't know about you, but if, if I had a withered hand, I would keep it in my pocket. And when people would go, how you doing, Pastor Eugene? I'd shake the hand with my left. There, there's a man that came to my house just a few weeks ago, and he, he, he came because of my, long story, truck was having problems, so he brought me a loaner, and we had to switch trucks, and he gets out of my truck, and he has a withered hand. And so when I went to shake his hand to say thank you, his hand, only his left hand worked. So he would, he, he reached like this. Pastor Eugene, nice to see you. Nice to see you. And, and, then, and so he has a withered hand and he asked Jesus, Lord, would you heal me? And Jesus says, stretch out your hand. No, no, Jesus, just go ahead and do your thing. I'll just wait while it's right here in my pocket. That's not what Jesus says. No, no, if you want it healed, you've got to stretch it out. In other words, you've got to get it out. If you want it healed, you have to, somebody, please pick up what I'm laying down. Because you, you, you've, you've walked with a withered heart all these years, and all you had to do was get it out. Because he can't do anything with it until you get it out. And he lifted his hand out, and so the scripture says, as he reached out his hand, his hand became whole. It's just something, are you tracking with me right now? Sometimes you just gotta get it. Watch this. 
And then we get down to verse 20. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and she gave birth to a son and she named him Samuel saying because I asked the Lord for him Elkanah would still go to the temple each year but Hannah would stay behind until Samuel was weaned that was probably about a three year period somewhere between two and three years some theologians believe it might have taken a little longer. How many of you know if that mama, knowing she was about to give up her son, probably nursed him as long as she probably, possibly could nurse him? And verse 24 says, after she had weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and she brought them to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And when the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, the high priest. And she said to him, pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I ask of him. So now I give him back to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. What a great story, isn't it? What did she want? A baby, a son. That's all she ever wanted, was a baby. She wanted a baby, but the Lord needed a prophet. It wasn't until what she wanted and what God needed until, I, I don't even believe, Victor's gonna come and he's gonna, gonna well, I'm gonna introduce our friends to you in just a minute, then Victor will come. I'm not even sure, this is just in my mind, please, please don't take notes on this and say Pastor Eugene is theologically incorrect because he's, I'm just guessing, right? So at least I'm telling you. I'm just guessing, I'm, I'm wondering if God's intention, he was always going to give her a son, but he needed her to get to the point where she would say and mean in her heart that she was willing to give it up. And once he got, oh, she's willing to, then because the Lord had shut up her womb and until she made the vow, then the Lord said, now I'm going to open up the womb and she's going to get everything she ever wanted and God is gonna get what all he ever needed. Are y'all with me? So yesterday, yesterday I'm doing this message and I went, okay, and this couple comes to my mind that I've known for 20, almost 22 years, almost 22 years. And they have this story of what God's done in their life. And I went, they parallel with Hannah and what God did in Hannah's life and to see what God's doing in their life. And I thought they just need to come tell their story because it's more powerful than anything I could ever preach. Would you, would you please welcome, I wanna invite them up now. I've known them for 22, Heidi and I have known them for 22 years and they're just incredible people and uh, I, I'll tell you more about them as they come. Would you please welcome to the stage uh, Gerald and Kim Abair. 
Come on, give it up for them. No, give it up for them again, because just be glad it isn't you. <laughs> okay, let me give you a couple little things. Okay, first of all, Kim uh, is a, a hairdresser, was a hairdresser, and Kim did my hair for the first 12 years that we, we lived here until we moved to Opelousas. And then, you know, when you, when you have a hairdresser, you know, you know, it's a relationship, right? And so when we moved up here, then I, we, we tried another salon, which is like cheating. <laughs> it's like cheating. And the, the, the new girl that Heidi and I went to, she did my hair real good, just, just right, right there, neck and neck, about the same, Kim. And, and, and so I remember having to go home, go back to you. And, and remember that conversation where I broke up with you? Yeah. <laughs> I just do a little here. <laughs> I broke up with her and Kim, Kim's like, well, is she pretty? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not as pretty as you. And I, I would say to her, Kim, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> All right. So anyway, that was a joke. Um, no, I did, I did have that conversation with you. I was like, I, I'm, we're going to have to break up. And, and Gerald was cool. Uh, so first of all, let's start with you, Kim. How did you even get to Our Savior's Church? Let's just talk about that. So th- this is back in... Uh, 99. Orange. Orange this is, we start yeah. Our Savior's Church. Mm-hmm. It's at the Harry Smith Lodge mm-hmm. and, uh, in Broussard. So I had a friend call me one night and she said, I want to invite you to our Savior's Church in Broussard. And I'm like, well, what kind, what, because I was Catholic, not really practicing, but I said, sure, what kind of church is it? Well, she didn't really, she wasn't real specific. She said, just come. So I walk in and it's different. It was orange chairs, blue curtains, people with hands up in the air, loud music. And I'm like, okay, I didn't sign up for this, but so I found a seat and I just took it all in. It was beautiful. Pastor Jacob gave a message that was, it obviously touched my heart. I wasn't the same. When I got in the car to leave, I put my hands on the steering wheel and I was like, I don't know what just happened. I don't understand what just happened, but I'm coming back. Mm-hmm. And I went back home to tell him and <clears throat> he was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. We'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. But, so I just was faithful and I kept going and I kept going and, and he wouldn't come and wouldn't come. And okay, talk in the mic. I kept going and going and going <laughs> and he wouldn't come. He, he just, he wasn't going to come. He wasn't so going to go what are, with those people. What, 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 were, what were you thinking this time? She keep, is she nagging you? Is she nagging you? Pastor Eugene. Absolutely. I don't know. I, it, it just... I didn't, I didn't have any interest of going, and, and it, we started butting heads. We really were. Well, you, you have to come. I'm, I'm not going. Uh, well, I learned a new word because, you know, I didn't know the lingo, and the new word was yoked. Well, I know what yoked means, but I went home, and I was like, we're not yoked. We need, somebody needs to be yoked here. We're not yoked, and was pushing him by doing that. So, yeah, I was. You need to come. We need to be together. So, so I would tell, well, that's you and your people, you know, 
That's you and your people. Because who are your now people? Now they're his people. <laughs> Whoever it was, just not hers. You know? <laughs> Whoever wasn't hers was yours. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it continued, and, um, and I would just stay home and watch the saints, and I'd stay home and cook, and she would come home after church. A good meal. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of where, it was, where we were in that, in that time of our lives, you know? What was the catalyst, Kim? I mean, were you... Okay, you're going to church. He's not coming. Obviously, you're you, you praying. Are you getting people around? What are you doing? So there? I was involved in a women's Bible study, and then fast forward, I was I went. Pastor Jacob used to m- greet you at the back door, and so I walked in, and I was discouraged because I wasn't seeing it happen. And how long was this time? Time you started going to that prayer? Probably a couple months. Okay, it wasn't that far. Long. I don't remember. Um, but I was discouraged, and he prayed for me at the back door, and he was like, Kim, God wants him here more than you. And from that moment, well, oh, he talked to me about a quiet, gentle spirit. <laughs> I was like, okay, I failed that. <laughs> so, but it was that, I think, that really, when I walked away, I was like, okay, I felt like the Lord said, I know the Lord said, save a chair. And I did. And I put my purse down and I saved a chair for two years. And when someone would want to come sit, I was like, no, it's for my husband. He's not in the bathroom or parking cars. He's coming. He's going to sit in this chair. And I believed that for two years. So if anybody come to sit by you, you would, you'd say, I'm sorry. Most of the time. I mean, if you have your purse there, no one's gonna, but it could be packed out. And I was like, nope, for my husband. You saved that chair. I did. Yeah. Okay, Gerald. So just two years go by. She stopped nagging. Mm-hmm. Started. No, she didn't. She, <laughs> she pre- kind of Yeah, kind of. Yeah. This is so out of character for you, Kim. So you prayed and saved chair. What happened? So um, as usual, I'm I'm sitting on the couch on a Sunday morning with the remote getting ready to watch NFL. And I heard the Lord speak so clear, get up and go to church with your wife. And it was, it was so real that I sat up on the couch and looked around the room. And she was on the other end of the house. It was just her and I. That voice was so real, it, it, it shook me. And then I sat back with the remote and I, I, and I heard the voice a second time. Get up and go to church with your wife. And I put the remote down, turned the TV off, and I walked very gently to the room and I said, <laughs> it, it was humbling. I mean, it was, if you take something out, I'll go to church with you. And I was putting on my makeup and I knew. I had this feeling he was about, I don't know why, I knew he was about to come, tell me he was coming to church. And I seen him out the corner of my eye and I'm like, be humble. Don't act too excited. And so he can't, it's true. And he comes in there and he's like, baby, if you take, <laughs> I gently got up and I went to the closet and I was like, thank you, Jesus. I'm pulling out all the clothes. I'm like, oh my God. And then I walked out here, you know, cause you don't want to push them or act too excited. Cause then they might back out. I'm like, no, we're too close. Let's keep going. <laughs> So she laid out your clothes. Absolutely. Still does. Still do. <laughs> Still does. She laid this out this morning. 
<laughs> she said, you're going today. <laughs> what was that like, Gerald? Um, it, it was, I don't know, it was just hard to describe. I mean, I would go, um, I would take my time driving there because the praise and worship, you know, I wasn't, we weren't raised in that, but the word, Pastor Jacob would just bring the word and it was just so convicting. I mean, it was just, it was just amazing. And, um, and not, and, you know, I, I, I was, I've never wanted to be in the spotlight or anything, but I can remember every, you know, so I, I would just sit there, I would stand there with my hands in my pocket and everybody, you know, all the while I'm the one sticking out because I'm the one with my hands in my pocket. But, um, it went, you know, and then I started tapping my toe and then I'd start humming and then I'd, I start clapping, but I was like. <laughs> and I was looking out of the corner of my eye going, praise Jesus. Go back to Bible study and say he's tapping his feet. Yeah. He's clapping. And then I, I'm, I can't sing, so I would sing, but very, very low. And, and I didn't know it, but she was going every week to Bible study saying he's coming. He's, clap, he's starting to clap. You know, he's starting to sing and praise the Lord, you know. And, and she said, she said he'll, he'll probably never raise his hands. But, I, but that's okay as long as he's here. And one Sunday, Pastor Eugene was a praise, praise and worship leader. He had just started coming at that time too. And he starts singing Amazing Love. How can it be that you, my king, died for me? And I broke like a baby. I cried and snobbed. My hands went up. I didn't raise my hands up, but they went up. <laughs> And I can tell you, chains broke off that day. The chains fell off that day and I was set free. And I've never been the same. I've never been the same. And, and I, it, it was amazing and it's still amazing. And so um, every time, I mean, yesterday when Kim called and said, Pastor Eugene wants us. And... I was on my way home and I started bringing to remembrance the things that, and I was weeping in my truck just singing that song, Amazing Love. How can it be that you, my king, died for me? And so. It was that anointed worship leader. It was, <laughs> absolutely. And still anointed. <laughs> You know what, I put that song on yesterday after we got off the phone and put that song on because I haven't sang that song in 20 years, you know, and just went around my house singing that song, just amazing love, you know. How can it be that you, my king, would die for me? Hmm. When I was talking to Pastor Eugene, Happy tears, just. The Lord reminded me. Uh, I was asked to speak at a Bible study, a women's Bible study, and tell this story, his story. And on the way there, I was praying, of course, and praying for the women there, and 
the Lord reminded me of the saying, you never know what's on the other side of your obedience. And he said to me, Kim, this is the other side of your obedience. What that means is, when I prayed for the orange chair for him to sit there, I did not see what I see today. I did not see that my husband was walking and discipling hundreds of men. That I would be walking with women. That we would be ministering to couples weekly, most a lot of days of the week. It's what we do. It's what God saw. But I didn't pray for that. I didn't know that. Um, you never know what's on the other side of your obedience. Mm. Just so you're, you're clear, Gerald and Kemp, both of them, but Gerald primarily with men, Kemp primarily with women, and then God's using them too with some couples as well, has been discipling men for the last 18, 20 years. 18, 20 years, hundreds of them. One, one, of, one of the men, we just, we just talked yesterday, I didn't even know this, one of the men is on staff at a church. So men, just from congregations, at, at, and about to go launch and start a church in Houston as part of a launch team, just pastoring men, discipling men. Gerald, we've never, you've never, we've, you've never been on staff at our Savior's church. You've just been a man of God and a woman of God who simply did what God asked them to do. Did you need permission to do that? Or did you need us to set up the program for you to do it? Or did you ask us, hey, here's the semester, stay within it. You've just simply been doing what God has called you to do. So here's, here's what I want you, here's how you connect this with Hannah, because I'm so proud of Kim. Kim didn't know. She just wanted her husband to come to church. That's all she wanted. But yet God had a need. He needed men to be discipled. And once she came to the conclusion of just pray and give the Lord the glory, quiet, gentle spirit, which is not her nature, by the way. I don't know if y'all can tell that or not. Firecracker does not do it justice. She will tell you, hold my purse, type of woman, and, and just said, okay, I'm going to submit to that. And Gerald coming and giving his heart to Jesus and now seeing what's on the other side of that. She just wanted a saved husband, but God wanted a discipler of men. And once those two connected together, that she'd be willing. And I asked Kim yesterday, I said, has there ever been a day that you go, oh, the phone keeps ringing? She goes, oh, of course. Of course. But then I also go back to remembering. I wanted a saved husband. And now to see what God is doing, he belongs to the Lord. And so, and I just get to hang on for the ride. Are y'all picking up? We're laying down. Please get the principle, the kingdom principle. I know you have wants. Go ahead and give that to the Lord. If you give me what I want, I'll give it to you. I'm, I'm thinking of Elder Ira. 
back in the day, a discipler of men, Ira would say things like this. I'm a businessman. I have a business. I gave that business to the Lord. That business belongs to God. If I'll take care of God's business, then God takes care of my business. That business belongs to the Lord. What happened, Elder Ira? How come you, how have you been so successful? I gave that business to the Lord. He gave it to me, and I gave it back to him. And since I gave it back to him, then he can have whatever he wants of it. And then God continues. You know that Hannah? Hannah, who couldn't have a baby, who had a son, and then gave it up to the Lord? You know what the rest of that story is? God ended up giving her five more children for the one that she gave up, gave her all the other children that she ever desired and wanted. It's a principle in the kingdom. For Heidi and I, it was was money, it was resources, where we were going, no, no, this is ours. And then finally going, no, no, it's not ours. It all belongs to God. I wanted more money. Quit acting like you don't want more money. You're so holy. How many of you would like more money? You lie, you fry, you're in church right now. You'll go straight to hell. Straight to hell. No, you, you, oh, no, I wanted it. I wanted, I needed it. I wanted it. And then went, no, 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 no. See, it doesn't, no, it all belongs to God. I'm, I'm going to give everything to God. And you gave it away and then he gives you everything that he just, the, the cycle continues. And I thought Kim and, and Gerald was such a living example of what God could do through a life from a, a woman who just desired and wanted a husband who would go to church with her. And then to give him away to the work of the Lord and the work of the ministry is just a beautiful story. And thank you all, Kim. Thank you, Gerald. Thank you for your... Anything else you want to say? Anything you want to say to this? Anything you want to say to this Motley crew? No, no. I'm serious. Anything you want to say to them? Say something to them. It, it has been truly a blessing. Um, I, th- I think of the last 20 years... When Kim and I first got married, it's okay. Yeah. We butted heads. We weren't saved. We had we brought some issues into the into our marriage. But after we were touched by the Lord, we began to heal. Our marriage just it just started to blossom. I didn't know how to love my wife. And most of the men I speak to don't either. Probably 99% don't. We never saw it. We just... But God started teaching me. I'll never forget, if it's okay if I share this. Yeah. We were at the Broussard campus, and Pastor Jacob and Michelle would walk in, and and she would look at him like, oh, you know, you, you understand what I'm... And I said, I want my wife to look at me like that. And I started watching him, how he treated her, how he spoke to her, how he took care of her. I didn't see that before. And my parents were great parents, but I didn't see that. And my marriage just turned. We're more in love today than we've ever been. And, and, 
have a 30-year anniversary, October the 3rd. We'll, we'll be 30, 30 years married, October the 3rd. And the thing that I've learned is that I don't have the capacity to love my wife unless I'm filled with the love of the Father in my heart. Strong word. And so I love my wife. And, and we have an, it's not perfect, but we have an amazing relationship. And we've learned so much, mm. so much over the 30 years, good and bad. We learned mm. from that. Mm. So I, I don't know. Kim, I, I'm sure it's okay if I say this. Kim doesn't have natural children. But this woman has has more daughters in the Lord that she has been a birth, uh, a midwife to women to give birth to young girls to become women and has used her that she's got more that sit at her feet and call her blessed. And these two have just been a shining example of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And I just wanted you to see it today. And I'm going to ask, Gerald, would you mind just praying as we just receive this word and praying for this congregation? Because my prayer this morning was the same spirit that's on you would come on them. And that they receive that same spirit. Would you mind? Father, we thank you so much for today, Lord. There's so much we didn't see back then that we see today. And it's just been revealed to us more and more every day. And we look forward to seeing what you want to do in our lives in the future. And Father, I lift up everyone here today, Lord. And ask you, Father that you would move on every heart, that you would touch every heart to begin to trust you more than they've ever trusted you before, that they would lean on you and not their own understanding, but trust in you. Father, would you open all our eyes and our hearts and our ears to receive what Pastor Eugene spoke today. We pray for healing and restoration. We pray for your love to fill our hearts. Yes, Lord. Same love that Jesus took to the cross. And you would touch every heart here today, Lord. For the men, Lord, we, we lift up the men today, Lord. That they would become the spiritual leaders of their home. Yes, Lord. They become the men of God that you've called them, the godly husbands, the godly fathers, and the priests and the prophets of their home. Lord, would you touch them? Give them purpose, Lord. Help them to seek you like they've never sought you before, Lord. Lord, touch the women, Lord. That they would go before you, Lord. And just hear your heart and listen and walk in obedience to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Kim and Gerald A. Bear. Thank y'all. Amazing. Thank y'all. Amazing. Come on, give it up. Mm. 
Isn't that powerful? Would you bow your heads with me? Everyone, every Christian in the room, I want you to just bow your heads and begin to pray right now. I just want to give you one opportunity. You might be here today. I'm convicted today. and You might be here today and you're far from God. Maybe you've, you've walked away and may, you, you, might be, you might be Gerald today. You walked in and wasn't sure about all that music and all of that. Maybe the Holy Spirit's tugging at your heart right now. Jesus said, you can't see the kingdom or enter the kingdom until you've been born again. You must be born again. You go, Pastor Eugene, how do I get born again? How did, how did the chains fall off of Gerald's eyes? It's as easy as ABC. Well, you just admit that you're a sinner. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have. Pastor Myron was right. We still strive every day. We still fall short. Be believe that Jesus came to be the sin bearer, to take the penalty for us, to pay the price, a price we couldn't pay. And he died on a cross so that we could have forgiveness of our sin. And then see, confess him as the Lord, which just means make him the boss. That Gerald went from walking in to that's, that's your people to saying that's now my God and made him the boss of his life. Still learning, we're, still, we're all still in process and progress, but submitted our life to Jesus. If you're here today and you're ready to follow Jesus, that's what it means to follow Jesus, to do it his way. If you're ready, I want to pray with you today. Would you just lift your hand on this room? I'm ready. Today's my day. I'm ready to follow Jesus today. Would you hold it up high? I'm going to pray for you. Just hold it up high. Thank you. I see your hands all around the room. All around the room, congregation, can we add our voice to theirs? This is not a secret prayer. It's not a, it's not a prayer that does it. It's the cry of your heart. Would you say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me, so I wouldn't have to go, and that you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, purpose on earth, and a relationship with the Father. So today, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin to be born again. Let's declare this. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God all the praise for that today?